0: You're listening to the Scotts Hill Podcast, which features our Sunday sermons. If you would like to learn more about what God is doing in the life of Scotts Hill Baptist Church, visit our website at scottshill.org. Enjoy and be challenged by the word of the Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to Scotts Hill Baptist Church. My name is Jeff Poteet and I get to serve here on staff as one of our pastors. If you're new with us, we want to welcome you and thank you for being here. If you're watching with us online, we're so grateful that you continue to tune in with us each and every week. Now, before we jump into today's message, I have a few pieces of information that I want to bring to your attention about uh, the upcoming weeks here in the life of our Church. Now, as you know, we will be having three services on Christmas Eve, one at two o'clock, one at 3.30, and one at five uh, here in the Worship Center. And then we'll also be having a live stream service at two o'clock in the Crosspoint Center. Now, uh, if you weren't able to get a spot here in the Worship Center, those are all sold out now, but there is still space available at the Crosspoint Center. You can go to scottshill.info and register there. Now, I want to encourage you, if you did get a ticket for the uh, services here in the in the worship center, and you, you find that you're not going to be able to use all those spaces, we'd encourage you to go back and, and release some of those to so the people that are on the wait list who want to be in this venue would be able to have an opportunity to be a part of that. So I'd encourage you to do that over the course of the next week. Uh, the next day, on Christmas Day, uh, we will not be having services here on our campus, but we will be sending you uh, a, a video devotion for you to be able to gather with your family in your living room and to worship Christ and to hear an encouraging message on Christmas Day. So I'd encourage you uh, to be on the lookout for that. If you're not on our email list, if you're not part of that, we'd encourage you to, to stop by one of our Connections desks so we can get your information and be able to make sure we get that delivered to you. Then the next Sunday, uh, I feel like I'm going through a lot of Sundays here, so just keep track with me for a minute. The next Sunday will be New Year's Day. And New Year's Day, we will be having two services in the worship center only. So we will not be having a Crosspoint Center service on New Year's Day. Uh, we will resume those on January the 8th. So January the 8th, all of the services that we offer uh, here at 9.15 and uh, at 11 o'clock in the worship center and then also at 11 in the Crosspoint Center, we'll be having all those on January the 8th. Has everybody got all that? Okay, good. Now for today, I am excited to be able to share with you in this second part of our series called Lost and Found. Last week, Pastor Phil helped us to look at ways in which Christmas can be lost, where people can miss Christmas. Now, I don't know about you, but I absolutely hate to lose things. I mean, it drives me crazy, whether it's my car keys, whether it's the remote to the television, I cannot stand to lose things. Anybody else with me? Anybody else hate to lose stuff? Absolutely. It drives me crazy until, we can, until I find it. But then whenever you find something, think about the excitement and the exuberance that you have. It's, it's like, out of this world sometimes, it'd be like, I found, I found the remote, or I found my keys, or I found my phone. I cannot tell you how excited our family would be To find the Nintendo Switch (laughs) that has somehow sprouted legs and walked right out of our house, never to be seen again. Nintendo can't even find it. (laughs) What we see is that people will go to great lengths to find things. Think Think about the day after Thanksgiving. Some of you have been there, Black Friday. You wake up at three o'clock in the morning to try and get to this store first so you can buy the 65-inch TV that you think is so important for you to have. Or you'll go to multiple stores in this thing that I've found now that's a new trend called thrifting. Anybody aware of this trend where now people will go to multiple secondhand stores to try and find deals on expensive clothing? It's something that people are doing all over the country. Or think about the extent that people will go to to find the one, that one special person that can make all of their life's problems go away. You've seen it on reality TV shows or things like that where they are in the search for the one. The reality is that this is the height of the modern Christmas, whether it is for you as the gift giver trying to find that one special gift, Find the one gift that's going to to be the brightness of the day for the individual you're giving it to. For you as the gift receiver, hoping that that gift under the tree is the right one. Hoping that he listened to you and what you asked for is what he actually got and not something that he thinks that you'll like that's going to make your life better. Think about that right recipe that you are looking for for the Christmas dinner with your family. Oh, this year, I'm going to find the one that everybody's going to be talking about for the whole rest of the year. For some people, it's finding that one Christmas date that they can take to their Christmas Eve and Christmas functions that's not going to embarrass them whenever they go to dinner. We also see that people want to find something at Christmas. We all do. We want to find something at Christmas, And God knows this is true, and as we look at Scripture, we see that He wants us to find something at Christmas, too. But what He wants us to find far outweighs all the things that the world tries to pitch us and tell us are most important for us. Today, as we look at God's Word, we're going to find that there are three groups of people, at least three groups of people, who found Christmas. And in finding Christmas, they found great Joy, And I want to go ahead and give those to you here at the outset. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you those three groups and then we'll go through them individually. We're going to find that there is a group of people who found Christmas through Revelation. So people who found Christmas through Revelation. One group found Christmas through anticipation. And a last group found Christmas through Revelation. So let's pray and then we will jump into our study for today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for... Today. We thank you that we have the opportunity to gather here as your people, uh, to dive into your word, and to learn what you have for us to transform our lives today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we are going to spend the majority of our time. We will jump over to Matthew chapter 2 uh, in a little while, but in Luke chapter 2, and there we're going to find Are the first group of people. And from them, we're going to find that Christmas can be found through revelation. Christmas can be found through revelation. Now, revelation is the content and process of God making himself known to people. That is God revealing himself to people. And the group that found Christmas through revelation was the shepherds. They found revelation, a found for Christmas through revelation. This morning, and this is the passage that Josh read for us a little bit earlier, but we're going to go ahead and take time and walk through this a little bit slower. Now, and the first three truths that we're going to see, we're going to see three truths and the first one that we see in this passage is this. That revelation for the shepherds was unexpected. Revelation was unexpected. Notice what we read in verses 8 and 9. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Now, in reality, whenever we think about the shepherds in general, they are an unexpected class of people to receive the revelation of a newborn king. In that day, shepherds were generally despised. Uh, they, they did dirty work. They were men who maybe were uh, considered vile or, or, or wicked in their community. It required men for shepherding to be away from their homes for long periods of times so they could find places for their sheep to graze. Because of this, because they were gone for long periods of time, they were considered ceremonially unclean. They didn't get to go to the temple very often to be cleansed because they were always out working. It was a seven-day-a-week job. There was no break for a shepherd. As a result, these men were considered to be the lowest of the low in society. We see that in God's kindness and in his grace, this unexpected class of people, this unexpected group of men were the first ones to receive the message of peace peace and joy from the angel of the Lord. But not only were they an unexpected class, they themselves were not expecting to hear the news. Let's look back at the passage again. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Do you notice who they weren't looking for? They weren't looking for God. The shepherds weren't out in the field on their hillside Bible study thinking about the Messiah and when he was going to show up. The shepherds aren't deciding, Okay, guys, we're going to map out a plan for our city. We're going to go knock on every door. We need to get ready for the Messiah to be here. We're not going and looking in stables. No, they were doing what shepherds always do. They were just out in the fields watching their sheep. They did what they normally did during those long hours of the night. They listened to the sheep. They listened to each other talk about things that were going on. They were not expecting God to speak to them through the angel. But what we see is that God came to them. God found them with a message that far outweighed anything they could ever expect. So we see for the shepherds. That revelation was unexpected. But we also see for the shepherds that revelation was specific. Revelation was specific. Notice what we read in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now I think about this, and I think about conversations that I've had with people. Maybe you've had that conversation with somebody where you're talking about something, you're using the same word, But somewhere along the way, you realize that those words don't mean the same thing to each of you. How many of you have ever been in a conversation where you're talking and you realize we're talking about the same word, but we're not talking about it in the same way? Anybody ever had that experience? Yeah, a few of you guys. Some of the words that we see in this, even in our culture, see words like love. For some people, it has a particular meaning. Scripturally, it has Maybe a different meaning. Or God. Everybody believes in a God, it seems. But one word that seems to be most evident in this is the word Jesus. Did you know that nearly 90%, maybe a little bit more, of people in the United States believe that Jesus was a real person? That he is a historical person that lived on earth thousands of years ago. But then you interview that same group of people and only 40 to 50% of them believe that he's God. A classic case of using the same word but knowing that there's a different meaning. This may lead you even in some of those conversations to say, you know, you keep using that word, Jesus, but I do not think it means what you think it means. And whenever we have those conversations, we recognize that finding Christmas means embracing the specific content of the revelation. This may be why so many people don't find true Christmas. They don't want the Jesus of the Bible. They want what one author describes as the Jesus that everybody loves. He says, this Jesus is shaped by the felt needs of the culture. At one moment, he's telling us to go vegan. At the next He's manning the grill at the 4th of July, July, July church picnic. He's cited by Democrats and Republicans. He's quoted by doves and hawks. He's invoked by presidents and anarchists. When one asks, what would Jesus do? The Jesus everybody loves answers, whatever you want. No wonder everybody loves this Jesus. What's not to love? This Jesus is everything the Jesus of scripture isn't. Here the angel leaves no doubt as to the identity of the baby in the manger, the baby that he proclaims to the shepherds. He delivers a message of a savior king. He calls him savior. He's the one who would give his life for the sins of his people. He is the one who robed his deity in humanity and came into the world to die on the cross. The angel calls him the Christ This word tells us that he's the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who was promised from the beginning. He's the one to whom all the sacrifices in the Old Testament point. He's the one for whom the world waited. He's given the title Lord. This identifies him as the sovereign God. This little baby is the one who spoke the universe into existence. He is the one who formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He's the one that controls the paths of the planets and the galaxies. He's the one who permits the movement of the most minute piece of dust. The angel tells the shepherds, he is Lord of all. See, the shepherds found Christmas when God delivered to them the specific and life-changing message of the gospel. But not only was this unexpected for them, not only was it specific to them, The last truth that we see is that revelation for the shepherds led to a response. It led to a response. Notice when we start in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. It's amazing to see the response of these shepherds. As soon as They hear the news of the Savior's birth. They leave their sheep on the hillside and they run with haste to go and find him. They run quickly to go and find this thing that had been made known to them. You see, receiving the specific revelation led to a response. And for them, this was going and obeying what God had called them to do, going and worshiping and bowing down before the newborn king. Whenever they arrive just like God said it would be, it was. This year, it may be that God is calling you to find Christmas through revelation. Maybe for you today, you see yourself in these shepherds. For some time, you've just been out in your field, minding your own business. Maybe you haven't given much thought to God. Maybe you've not really considered what God is doing in the world or who he is, in fact. But this year, something's a little bit different. You're here today. You're maybe thinking a little bit more about the Lord, maybe asking questions about who he is or about what he's like. This year, I believe that God wants some of us to find Christmas by embracing the truth about who Jesus is for the first time, committing our lives to follow him. For some of you this year, finding Christmas means finding a savior king who died for you so that you might live with him, The reality is that we find Christmas when God finds us, when he reveals the unimaginable grace and glory found in the person and work of Jesus and bids us to come and follow him. This is his invitation to you this Christmas season, to come and find Christmas through his revealed word, who is Jesus Christ. But not only can Christmas be found through revelation, we also see that Christmas can be found through anticipation. Christmas can be found through anticipation. Now, Christmas is the time of year that we, that we all wait for certain family traditions, maybe particular experiences. Because if we're honest, for most of us, I'm just qualifying that with most of us, most of us wait until this time of the year to put up a Christmas tree. I know some of you guys just never take it down. You always look forward to Christmas. Most of us wait until this time of year to wear Christmassy clothes, you know, reds and greens and all the things uh, people wear, Christmas trees all over our clothing. Most of us wait until this time of year to expect a present or to expect somebody is expecting a present. Now, you know your families, and some of us are better at waiting than others, But imagine waiting your whole life for one gift. Imagine maybe even more waiting 400 years for one gift. In Luke chapter two, verses 25 to 38, we're introduced to two people, two individuals who spent their lives anticipating Christmas. Now, they're not people who usually make it into Christmas songs. I can't think of any that they're in. And they're not people that make it into any nativity sets, at least none that I've ever seen. But whenever we see their testimony, we see how finding Christmas through anticipation can encourage us today. So I want us to look at this uh, first point, that anticipation raises our awareness. Anticipation raises our awareness Now, we don't know much about this man, Simeon. I don't know that you've ever, again, seen a nativity with him or heard a song about him. We don't know a lot about him, except that he's described as a righteous and devout man. These two words help us to see that in one way, righteous, he acts in a particular way towards people. His conduct towards people is stellar. But not only that, whenever we see this word devout, we we see that he was careful in observing religious duties. So he seems to be a faithful kind of man. And this man, Simeon, God gave a promise to. He said, Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. You're not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ. Can you imagine Simeon's day-to-day activities, going to the temple? Can you imagine him scanning the crowd and wondering Is today the day, Lord? Is today the day that I'm going to see the Lord's Christ? Maybe as he advances in age, maybe thinking, it's getting shorter, God. The time seems to be getting shorter. Are you really going to do this? Looking and listening, waiting and wondering, is this the day? The same is true for us, isn't it? This time of year. We wait and we wonder and we want this time of year after having shared what we want we are keenly aware of the shapes and the sizes of the boxes under the tree aren't we whenever you look under the tree you wonder is that the one that i was hoping to get is that the one that that i asked for this year now some of us shake presents to try and figure out if it's the one some of us, I want to see how many of you have ever done this. How many of you have ever snuck downstairs or into the living room and opened the present really quietly only to close it back up? Hopefully nobody ever sees it. How many of you have ever done that? For shame, you guys. Ma <laughs> ma my, my. my, my. Then some of us who know the tendencies of our family members wrap small presents in big boxes. (laughs) They hide them in different places so that people may look and look and look. One of my favorites at doing this is my mother-in-law. She, I think she's been doing this for forever forever. But she likes to wrap presents in whatever kind of box she can find around the house. And it's great because what I love to see is whenever our kids open up the presents that she gives them, they open it up first and they look with kind of astonishment. I didn't ask for Cheerios this year. (laughs) To know that it's, it's an excitement that we look forward to things with anticipation and with hopefulness. Our awareness increases as we anticipate things. We start looking and listening for hints to be dropped about what we might have or what we hope to get. The same is true for old Simeon, right? He's looking and listening, waiting and wondering, is this the day, is, is this the man, is this the person until one day? He scans the crowd and there he sees a young man and a young woman He listens a little bit and he hears their voices. They they look like they could be peasants, maybe poor. He hears and they sound a little bit Galilean by their accent. And and lo and behold, in their arms, there's a baby. And in that moment, as he sees and he wonders, maybe that's the family, maybe that's the Lord's Christ. Can you imagine the feeling? The Lord saying, that's the once, Amen. That's him, that's the one that you've been waiting for, that's the one the world's been waiting for, that's the one that I've sent to save my people from their sin, that's my Messiah. And for Simeon, finding great joy in that, which leads us to the second truth that we see is this, that anticipation rejoices in answers. Whenever we get the thing we've been longing for and looking for, the thing that we've hoped for, there is great joy. people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what, he, what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the rising and fall of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also say so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Can you imagine a more joy to the world kind of moment? Just think of the crescendo of Simeon's life here remembering all the day, the days that he had looked for and longed for the messiah and then remembering god you've done exactly what you said you were going to do you promised that i would see the christ and now he's here you said that i would live to see him and i'm here experiencing it right now and i can almost picture the scene you've seen it before Whenever your children come downstairs on Christmas morning and they see the gifts all spread out or they open the present and maybe their hair is all a mess, but their eyes are wide open and they are excited about what they have. Can you imagine Simeon's breath being taken away in that moment? Just the awe of seeing this Christ. And from there, his his actions turn from simple anticipation, from looking to exuberant worship. But Simeon isn't the only one in the temple that day. A little bit later, we're introduced to a woman. She is described as a devout woman as well who lived for many years as a widow. But what we see is that her steadfastness in life helps us to understand that anticipation can restore from anguish. Anticipation can restore from anguish. Verse 36 says this, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. While commentators differ on her age, what is clear is that Anna was an old woman. She had lived for many years now as a widow. And while the text doesn't tell us explicitly that she suffered, we can imagine the difficulty. We can imagine those first few years, maybe even the first few decades were difficult for her. You can imagine that waiting in those days could have felt heavy for her. Maybe here today, you don't, you don't have to imagine that. For some of us, maybe we haven't gone through those kinds of dark times, but for some, you're in those times right now. But the heaviness of this time of years, year seems unavoidable. This time of year is a reminder of what isn't happening. It's a reminder of who isn't here. This time is a reminder of the things that we had hoped for that we haven't seen come to pass. But we see in Anna how anticipation, maybe years of longing, has turned from from hopelessness, maybe, to expectation, which leads her to hopefulness. We don't know what she was like in those early years. We don't know what trials she went through those first few decades But we know what she's like now. Her her testimony now is one of focusing on the Lord and on his grace, focusing on his kindness, focusing on his character and his promises. She is waiting and watching. She's looking, she's alert because she knows that God is doing something beyond her comprehension. Maybe this year for you, God is calling you to find Christmas through anticipation. Maybe you have for years, Stop looking for God to do anything in your life. Every year you you look, you expect, well, the same thing as last year. You don't look for God to do anything. You've looked and looked, and maybe you've gotten to the point where you think that change is not possible. You've lost hope that, that things can be different. Maybe you've quit praying Prayers for people that you used to pray for. There may be, you think, situations in your lives that are too overwhelming, that are too big for anyone to handle. Maybe for you, there's a particular sin struggle that you feel that you'll never be able to be free from. Friends, we find Christmas when we look forward and live with hopeful anticipation that God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine that God is able to do more than we could ever imagine. And today he invites us to trust him, to trust that he is able to do things that are far beyond our comprehension. Maybe he's reminding you even today, as we think of Simeon and Anna and their anticipation and their looking forward and his faithfulness in providing. Maybe he's reminding you to stop looking at the impossibilities and to start looking to him because he is able to do all things. He is able to work in your lives in, way, in ways that you cannot even imagine, if you trust him, if you give him your hopes, if you give him your fears, if you come to him trusting that with God, all things are possible. Not only can we see that Christmas can be found through revelation and anticipation. The last thing that we see is that Christmas can be found through dedication. Christmas can be found through dedication. Flip on over to Matthew chapter two. We're going to look at another group of people in Matthew, Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter two. We're introduced to a group of people in Matthew chapter two who found Christmas and they found it through dedication. And the first way that they find, uh, find it through dedication is we see this, that they dedicated their time. This group dedicated their time. Time. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we read this Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Our Christmas songs tell us that there were three wise men. You know, you've sung the songs, but Scripture doesn't give us an exact number of wise men that came. Scholars believe that there could have been as many as 12 who came to worship Jesus. These men probably were not kings. Again, I'm sorry to to sadden anybody's day on Christmas carols, but they probably weren't kings. They were probably just men of nobility and knowledge. They were probably from Persia or from Babylon and prominent in their society. Likely they were some kind of holy men, priests who studied astrology, and, and they also had information about the Messiah because they were looking for him. It's possible that uh, during the exiles uh, under Nebuchadnezzar, they had learned and tradition had been passed down to them about a coming king. They were from Persia or Babylon. They were about 900 to 1,000 miles from, from Jerusalem, from Bethlehem. So they have to go This long journey through rugged, robber-infested territory, having a great entourage, think of 12 people with their families, then with security because they have lots of things that they're bringing along with them. Imagine then about a year's journey. These men set out on a year's journey to go and find Jesus. They dedicated an incredible amount of time and effort just to get there. But not only did they dedicate their time, we also notice that they dedicated their treasures. They dedicated their treasures. Notice how we continue. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. As we look to these wise men, we notice that the first treasure that they dedicate isn't a physical gift. As we look at this, we think of the three gifts that they gave, but before they gave any gifts, they gave him something else. They gave him the treasure of their worship. They gave him the dedication of their hearts. Just imagine these three or these 12 or these multiple people probably dressed in exquisite clothing, bowing down on a dirty floor to worship a child. They had come from afar to worship a child. These wise men knew something that we so often forget. Before we bring any gifts to Jesus, the first thing that he wants is our hearts. The first thing that he wants is our hearts. Because if we surrender our hearts, he has every part of us. If we give him our hearts, then he has everything about us. These wise men knew that. And so they dedicated their hearts first. I love the way that one author says it. He says, right worship is always and must be the only basis for right giving. And give these wise men did. It was customary in the ancient East for people to give gifts to their superiors. And we see here these wise men bringing gifts that seem a little bit odd for a child. Can you imagine giving your toddler or somebody giving your toddler a lot of money and spices? It's what we would call an age-inappropriate gift, right? It's not an age-appropriate gift for a toddler to get gold and spices. But what we notice is though though it may not be an age-appropriate gift, It's certainly an identity-appropriate gift. You see, these people were bringing gifts that were fit for a king. They were bringing him gifts because they recognized that he was not just any king. He was a savior king who would deliver his people from their sins. And as we see these things that were brought, gold and frankincense and myrrh, There is meaning as to what they are about. First, we see that they brought him gold, which highlights his royalty. When you think of scriptures, we see gold oftentimes associated with kings and queens and princes. We see them bringing frankincense, which identifies their understanding of him as deity. Frankincense was used in the Old Testament, not only for royal processions, but for offerings to God. We see that they brought him myrrh which highlights and points forward to his sacrificial death on a cross. Myrrh was a perfume used for various types of anointing, but one of those was anointing people. We see this show up again as it's prefiguring his impending death. Whenever, after he dies, in John's gospel, Joseph of Arimathea uses myrrh as part of the mixture to anoint Jesus' body for burial after his crucifixion. But not only did they dedicate their time and their treasures, this leads to the last area that they dedicated. They dedicated their life trajectory. They dedicated their life trajectory. If you think about it, here was the opportunity for these men to get in good with the king. All they had to do was to go back to him and tell him where they found the kid. That's all they had to do. And he would have been in good with the king. But we notice in verse 12, something happened. They were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. Having come in contact with, bowing down and worshiping King Jesus, these men were forever changed. They were transformed from people who would maybe go and give up Jesus's name, give up Jesus's location to people who would risk their lives so that others could hear and see what God was doing through this savior king. They decided to disobey the king of the nation to honor the king of the universe. And rather than becoming informants of a madman, they chose to risk it all to honor King Jesus. Maybe this year, God is calling you to find Christmas through dedication. As you look over your life, maybe you would say that Jesus has become, in some ways, like that gift that you got last year, the gift that you just had to have only to have moved on to something better this year, only to have moved on to something newer this year. You know, you look back over your life and it used to be wrapped up in thinking about Christ, spending time with him in his word, sacrificing for him, making decisions in life based on his will and purposes only for today to find yourself charting your own course, relying on your own wisdom, looking to your own self-interest and not to the interest of Christ and to others. This year, maybe God is calling you back to the place of fresh dedication, of fresh devotion. And as I think about these truths, as I think about what, what these three groups of people experience and how they found Christmas, the great news is that we can find Christmas any time of year. It's not like the gifts that we get at Christmas that will likely wear out or break with use. No, finding Christmas in Christ never wears out or gets old. Finding Christ never has an expiration date. It's never going to end up in the junkyard. You see, Christ desire for you is life. God desires for you to know him, not just on December the 25th. He doesn't just want you to find Christmas on that day. He wants you to find Christmas on December the 26th, March the 1st, August the 10th, November the 2nd, every single day of the year. Because when we find Christmas, we find life. Life in Christ, who is the revelation of God to us. He is the answer to all of our waiting. And he's the ultimate treasure for whom we can give our lives. This year, if you are not a believer, if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, God invites you to find Christmas for the first time. He invites you to find Christmas by finding Christ. By knowing him, John tells us in John three sixteen, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God has given the gift of inexpressible value in his son. He's given us the gift of forgiveness of sins. He's given us the gift of a right standing with him because of what Christ has accomplished. He's given us a gift of eternal peace and joy He's given us the gift of salvation, and today he invites you to take the gift, to receive that by faith, by turning away from your old way and trusting what Christ has accomplished for you. Today, if you're a believer, God may be calling you to find Christmas again by finding him in his word, spending time over these next days and months and years investing in learning about him in his word. He may be encouraging you or challenging you to look forward to what God is going to do with great anticipation and expectation. He may be calling you to find Christmas this year through a new and fresh dedication. where the Lord is calling you to do, we encourage you, to take a moment, to take some time today to reflect on those and take the appropriate steps. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather here as your people. We thank you for Christ. We thank you that this time of year, particularly, we focus our minds and attention on him. But Lord, I pray. I pray that this would not just be a time of year that we do that and then move on with our lives the next day or the next week, but that but our devotion to Christ would only grow from day to day until we see you face to face. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope that God uses this message in you to transform you more into the image of Christ. If you have any questions about our church or you want to learn more about Jesus, visit our website at scottshill.org slash next steps. Till next time.